from WBOI Fort Wayne. From WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne, this is the I Am Immigrant, and I am Ahmed Abdelmajid. I am a Palestinian immigrant who has been donning the title of immigrant for the past 24 years of my life. I am interested in conversations around the immigrant experience, conversation that we seem to be not having or we seem to be not knowing how to have. For this podcast series, I'm hoping that we have conversations with different immigrants about all that it entails to be an immigrant. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to another new episode of The Iron Immigrant. This is Ahmed Abdelmajid, your host, and as always, I am joined by the great Katie Anderson. Hey there, thanks for having me, and I help produce The Iron Immigrant, and I'm very excited about today's guest. Yes, today's guest is a young gentleman who I've met not too long ago, um, and we struck up a conversation and friendship really over coffee because you'll notice in my life coffee threads through a lot of it (laughs) (laughs) and this is a person who comes from a land that makes great coffee so i'm excited to host in today's episode my new friend who i I hope to get to know more and more kidane sarko kidane welcome to the i immigrant Thank you for having me. Again, thanks for joining us, Kidani, and thanks for being a, a guest on The I and Immigrant. We'd like to start off, as usual, by asking, you know, where you're from, and can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to the United States? Sure. Um, thank you for having me. My name is Kidani Amar Sarko. I am from Ethiopia. I came to the U.S. in 2011 to study at Taylor University here in Indiana, in Upland, Indiana. So you came directly from Ethiopia to Indiana. Yes. Okay. And what were you studied at Taylor University? Was that for graduate school or yeah. undergrad? Undergrad. Undergrad. So you came here directly after high school, or no? <laughs> so give so, us the juicy details, yes. Kidani. <laughs> so, sure. So I finished high school back home. Then after that, I went to law school. In Ethiopia, to get a law degree, it takes five years. So I studied law for three years. So I completed three years of a five-year curriculum law school program. Um, then when I got the chance to come, uh, instead of finishing up my law degree, after the third year of law school, I came to the U.S., so how is Ethiopia divided? Is it states or is it just one big state and different tribes? Or So in Ethiopia, we have, you know, a federal government and a state government. So we have nine regional states. Those nine regional states together in two federal cities, the capital in another city, all those together would create the federal government of Ethiopia. Okay, and so within your state, within is there is it the state language that's your native tongue, or is that even more tribes? More tribes, because I am from the one of the well, from one of the state. It is actually called Southern Nation Nationality and Peoples Region (SNNNPR). Okay, so that is about at least forty-five ethnic groups. So oh, that's wow. like a small Ethiopia. 
Oh, wow. Within okay. Ethiopia, yes. And then you said the official language is Amharic. So yes. everybody speaks Amharic, but then you have yes. different language from one tribe to the next. Yes. So I would not say, I would not say everyone speaks, but at least that's the working language and that's what's expected everyone mm. to speak if they go to school, if they wanted to work. But these days, though, that some of the ethnic groups, one ethnic group actually could create one regional state. Mm -hmm. So those become dominant and they actually want to use their ethnic language. And so in some ways they may not like Amharic. So there is some clash. But in my case, my tribe Gragi, it's only about 3.5, well, 3 to 5 million people. So we are in the push of creating writing system, mm -hmm. you know, at least grade one to grade four, but it's not developed yet. We just speak it. To, to preserve the native language. Yes. How many, how many native languages are spoken in Ethiopia? Do you know roughly? At least, well, let me just say more than 80 languages. Wow, more, more than, than 80. Yes. What's the what's the size of Ethiopia? What's the population? Sure. That to easily um, put it for you in perspective, just take two bigger states in the US, take the maybe the state of Texas mm -hmm. and maybe the state of Colorado then bring the state of Ohio. Those would those three would create Ethiopia, the size of Ethiopia. How many people? Um, 110 million people. Ethiopia is the, sec the second most populous country in Africa next to Nigeria. Wow. I, for some reason, I always thought it was a smaller country with a smaller population. Huh. I've learned something new today. Me too. <laughs> 110 million people. I mean, I don't know much history, but from what I know, you know, Ethiopia is like you know, ancient country for Christianity, mm -hmm. but not only that, even for Muslim, Islamity, Ethiopia is the country who accepted Muhammad and his family. Yeah. So two religions in Ethiopia are the most dominant and we live together peacefully and, and the culture is very language, you know, even Amharic is by language family to the Semitic group, which is the same as Arabic. Mm. So a lot of Mediterranean, Mid Middle Eastern culture, language, a lot. Yeah, actually, when you look at Islamic history, and I think the, the old name was Abyssinia for Ethiopia, right? Yes. And so when Muhammad, in the early days of the religion of Islam, and with uh, a few Muslim families in Mecca that were persecuted for their religion, he said that, uh, there's an Abyssinian Christian king who is just, who is a just ruler and who would welcome you. And he said, actually, that was the first wave of migration uh, to flee the, the, the persecution. Um, they went and they lived there for, for a yeah. few years. And actually, uh, some of them even stayed and some returned to yes. Mecca and then different yes. growth of the Islamic religion. But uh, yeah, it's it's the first country... And, and as you said, it was a Christian um, dominant, um, and a, the prophet Muhammad, he himself said, there's a yes. Christian king who is just in Abyssinia, go there and, and he will welcome you. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah. And today we have a, we have a city called um, Harar, which mm -hmm. is in the, in the eastern part of Ethiopia. 
dominantly um, a Muslim, but not just the religion, but the culture. You know, people mm. come to visit it. A lot of remnants of the family of Muhammad and, you know, historical mosques and mm-hmm. just just an amazing place. That's fascinating. Yes. Yeah, fascinating. Did you learn the English language in Ethiopia? And was that part of public school curriculum or did you go to private school? Can you tell us a little bit about how you came sure. to speak the English language? Yes, yeah, so we use English in, in class as one as a subject, mm-hmm. but usually our focus is like writing, passing exam, verb. Like here I see when the Americans learn Spanish, their focus is usually you know how to do those. So it doesn't really help you for a spoken language because because mm. some of my professors are, you know, English, my professors are um, Ethiopian, so they would they would use Amharic to teach me English. Mm-hmm. So there was a challenge, but some of us would do everything we could to practice. As you can tell, I still have accent, and which I am proud of. My my goal is, do you understand me? That's if you understand me, accent doesn't bother me because I just come to learn that there are so many accents even within the U.S. Like, so I thought I was very good English speaker back home. <laughs> um, Taylor used to send. Uh, students like 15 to 20 students every January they call it a J term so mm-hmm. I would I was the one active would take them to the waterfall to the mountain so Taylor University would send students to Ethiopia yes to my hometown actually you, oh really for um, they do a mission trip it's like you know to help kids I see in, in a school do, to do to volunteer at the hospital to volunteer at the you know, uh, vocational schools because mm. I went to a school called a school called Madhani Alam, but it was founded by Project Mercy, okay. and their headquarters is here in Fort Wayne. <laughs> but all their work, all their project is in my hometown, Yatabun, Ethiopia. So they had a partnership for Project Mercy and Taylor. So I was like helping them. Even um, a Taylor grad, she came in when I was, you know, very young. She taught me English for three years. Now mm. she lives in Fort Wayne. So she had she adopted like uh, five Ethiopian kids. Oh, wow. So I would do, you know, we would do everything we could practice English with them. Um, you know, volunteering, spending time playing. So as a student in school in Ethiopia, yes. when when Taylor students came, you would volunteer to yes. work with them and, yes. and take that opportunity to, to learn. learn. Yes, nice. not only Taylor, you know, there was Cardin, Go, Gordon, the Gordon College from Boston, um, mm. James Brown University, different place, even high school to learn from. It is a, a, a high school called um, Georgetown Day School in um, in D.C. High school, they would come. Mm. So there were different opportunities. A lot of Americans, but some Europeans, but usually it was Americans um, because of their partnership, Project Mercy. So we had those opportunities to do everything we could. Um, that's how, you know, I would see Taylor students using laptop or having nice shoes or something. So I would just like, you know, keep asking them <laughs> this about this America. What is that? You know, uh, so that's how I have the desire, you know, to come to here, you know, building relationship. But when I when I came to the U.S., uh, it was like 
totally different. You know, I, you know, back home I was a leader, someone who just, you know, Marta and me, the founder of Project Mercy, they would trust me, Kidani, can you help them? Can you translate? I say, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they was like, yeah. But when I came here, no, I just like shut down almost for a semester. I was not saying anything. Hmm. And back home, you kind of, um, when you speak, you speak slowly and kind of murmur, which mm. is, I don't know, it's a cultural thing. But here, when I went to like my advisor at Taylor, I was like just murmuring and she would like confuse, you know, she, maybe she would think I'm a lazy student, you know. But for mm. me, just a cultural um so out of shock. respect, you wouldn't speak respect. too loud, you would yes. speak slow, okay. Plus the the shock, I would I didn't know. I was just like one way of seeking help, you know. I, I know I know I, I do everything I can. I'm a very determined person, but I I would know and I, I just shut down, like what happened? I was the leader back home, I was translating, I was there every time. Mm-hmm. What happened here? So so it took me a while, but slowly I warmed up, you know, I, I you know, I learned, you know, I, I so gained what, what back my So what do you think cost. happened? What do you, I mean, what shook your confidence? As you said, I mean, it's, so you, you had some exposure to the American yes. culture through the people that came, you were speaking the language and, and all of that. What do you think happened when you, when you came here that's like, yeah, I guess took you back a few steps? Yes, the topography, except there is no mountain, having the farming, you know, the the trees, all that was a good thing. I could relate, but not just mountain and and there is no snow. And I just missed my family. I just missed my mom. You know, I mean, as if someone didn't try to do it, tried everything to come here. Uh, After that happened, I said, you know, take me back. You know, I was like, even like, mm. I want to go back. You know, some nights where I was like, I couldn't like sleep. I was just homesick. And and it just takes you time. For example, if they were, if my American friends were having conversation about a movie, I had no idea. Mm. So back home, I was the one contributing ideas, discussion, asking. Now I just like, I'm not, I'm not like it's it just taking me some time so that I guess that was just me being hard on myself saying mm-hmm. is that just that's me that's all about me like what happened you know <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's interesting you mentioned the movies because that was one <clears throat> of the things I struggled with too because you know growing up overseas and a lot of the the cultural references when people are having a conversation, they're referencing a movie or talking about that scene or something. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So you experience yeah, the same thing. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yes. But so it was an overwhelming sense of homesickness yes. that kind of made you question why you came to the U.S. Yes. at the beginning. That That for this, I mean... Like, I didn't like the food, I didn't like the water, um, and the, especially the fast pace of life, it was just like boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I think that was just overwhelming to me. I, I mean, like that either. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Back home, I had time to do everything. You know, I was a strong student, I would do everything, but also to play, but also to help my dad on the farm. You know, I feel like one day was much longer back home than here. So <laughs> I always wonder if it's if it's because of our age back then or if life is really getting too busy because I I'd say the same thing I remember you know come home from school 
I'll I'll have lunch, a big lunch with the family, and then I'll do my homework, and I'll go play soccer, and I'll, and it's not sunset yet. I was like, I'll do all fifty yeah. million things, and the sun hasn't set yet. And yes. here, I wake up, and you know, twelve hours later, I'm in a studio <laughs> recording. I'm like, what happened to the day? Yes. Yeah, I. It's just uh, it's fascinating. I don't know if it's related to us getting older or if it's just. I think. The, I think I realized, like, almost, I have been here now 10 years when August comes. I think the big difference was back home, you live for the day. I have agenda for that day, period. But okay. here, for the entire week, the entire month, I have something. So I think, like, my mind never get uh, get a break. I was just focusing on, oh, tomorrow I have this assignment. Next week I have this exam. I was just like... You Interesting. Know, I think that okay. stressed me out because back home I was just like, okay, for this week, for this day, that's it. Then mm. you just take it back again. So I think that's that interesting, was... Yeah. Interesting look. So I want to go back to something else sure. you mentioned. You said that you were in your third year or finished third year of law school yes. in Ethiopia. Yes. And this opportunity to come to Taylor came about and you took it. So I'm wondering why give up a law career, especially that you're more than halfway through, what was the draw? And how did your family react to it? I know my, my, yes, my, <laughs> dad, my dad would have shot me. He's like, my you're dad finishing was, your degree. <laughs> my dad was not happy. Um, yeah, he lays like all this work. And my younger brother, he was still in uh, high school and they were not happy. But, you know, back home, everyone wants to come to the U.S. So Why? I mean, we just picture here more opportunities, you mm. know, um, some true, some not true. Um, so if I did not took that opportunity, some of my friends, they will, they would say, I mean, are you not smart? I mean, they, like there was that pressure too. But I to see. be honest, personally too, I, I have been wanting to come to the U.S. even starting middle school there was different opportunities were coming like a boarding school was wanting mm-hmm. to get a scholarship for high school one of my friends he ended up coming for high school here so there were these different opportunities so it's almost like a long t- you know a long time want and desire coming to you know coming to realize that I I took it, but I had that balance. I asked that question. I mean, law school wasn't easy, and I finished three years. The rest was just more of doing the practical, attending a court, mm-hmm. a judge, and writing some. So I actually finished like the coursework, everything, the hard part. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was that balance. On the other side, I also wanted to be in the health profession. Okay. That was another desire growing up because in Ethiopia, uh, usually the government decides what for you what to study based on the needs of the government. If they say in five years we have this number of doctors, we need this number of lawyers. So there is some some preference, but not really. They put you in a school they want. They put you in a field they want. Based on your grades, or yes, uh, yes. I mean, they won't put uh, you know someone who wouldn't do well in. I see. Something, but yes. So all that combined together. And you saw this opportunity. And what did you study at Taylor? I studied uh, uh, biology and chemistry. My focus was I was a pre-medicine student. Uh So, yeah, four years, that's what I did. 
And then you have a second degree, right? Yes. And what's your what's your other degree in? I have a master's in public health. Mm-hmm. So you're still in the health yes. profession, but you 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 went yes. with the public health route. Yes. So law, then you know, I was wanting public health profession, even to be precise, to be a doctor. So that's what I did: the biology, the chemistry, premeds, and I took MCAT from Taylor. Uh, but there wasn't much opportunity for me as international student for medical school. Then in my junior year of Taylor, Taylor started a public health program. So I took one course, Introduction to Public Health, mm-hmm. and it was so fascinating. I mean, public health looking at from many angles. Yes, I still appreciate what medical doctors do, but there, there you can do a lot being within the public health. You know, health is more than what happens in the doctor's office. The water, the opportunity, the stress, the policies, the neighborhood, all that. I said, oh, when I took that course, I said, this is what I need for Ethiopia. I mean, I can help more by doing one policy, by doing one thing. I can impact a community, not just one patient. Then I end up taking another public health course, took a third one, then I end up applying to nine public health programs throughout the U.S. Yeah. Did your parents go to college? Are you a first-generation college student? Uh, what about your brothers, sisters? Yes. So in my family, in my immediate family, I am the first to go to school. Um, I have a mom and a dad and two older sisters. Mm-hmm. They did not get a chance to go to school. So they live in the village and there was no school back then. School in general? Yes. Not, not just... Or if there was school, it would be so far and they would not live there. I Property, see. Or, you know, there was no way. There was no Access infrastructure, was all that. I see. Yeah, for me, you know, it was not because I was smarter than them. It just opportunity came. Mm-hmm. Project Mercy opened the school for us. Then I was the first one to be able to go there. Mm-hmm. But we are seven children, right? Mm-hmm. So I am the oldest son, the third oldest in the family. But everyone younger than me are neither. They have their degrees. At least two of them have degrees. One is in um, in grade nine. The other is in grade 12. So everyone is in a school after me. And that's so Project Mercy. Tell us a little bit about Project Mercy sure. and what they did in your in your hometown. Sure. So Project Mercy, they are Ethiopians. Okay. Ethiopian Americans I should say. Um they when we had a bad government, the communist, we call it the Derg regime, they fled Ethiopia because because they used to work for the his Majesty Haile Selassie the first. Okay. Um, so since the communists came, he was killing, assassinating everyone who used to work for, you know, for Haile Selassie the first. Then you know they made it to to Kenya, mm-hmm. then to Greece for a year. Then they end up in Fortune, which is maybe forty plus years ago. Oh. When the communist government left. Mm-hmm. They had a chance to go back, and it happened to be my hometown to build a lot of things. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm one of their fruit. They built hospital, a mm-hmm. really good hospital. As first a school, um, always a road. It's not asphalt, but still always a road. A road. Um, 
water development, clean water. I mean, we have a lot of good water springs from the mountain, mm -hmm. but it wasn't through pipe or anything. So they developed that. They have, you know, agricultural training. They took a lot of scientists from the U.S. to do, you know, avocados, high-yielding stuff, cattle breeding, milk. I mean, it's a very comprehensive. Actually, yes. some of the, the senators from the U.S., they came to visit. Right. Uh, you know, Senator Hoffman from Alabama. Mm. There was a senator he um, he just in this past election from from Florida. So um, so many people came from the U.S. but also across the world just to provide because because it's all worked by fundraising. You know, and there are Ethiopian expats that live in the U.S. Yes. that started that project. Yes, that's fantastic. Yes, that's fantastic. Okay, so you came to the U.S. for school. Uh, you've graduated, but now you've also started a family in, in the United States. And so married with yes. two boys. Yes. Right? One is a fresh two yeah, or three months old. old. Yeah, ten, uh -huh. Three months old. Three months old, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah it's, um, so tell us a little bit about your wife, where you guys met sure. and you got married. and. Yeah, so my wife is Bethlehem. Bethlehem Sina, and she is from Ethiopia as well. I, I call myself a cowboy from the country, <laughs> and she is from the capital, downtown Addis, a very populous place, uh -huh. seven, five to seven million, crazy place. So she's from downtown there, and we never knew each other. So when I finished from Taylor, I went to Nashville to Vanderbilt to get Nashville, Tennessee to get my master. And she she went to um University of Tennessee in Memphis for her doctor of pharmacy degree. And I think it was her last year she came to Nashville from Memphis, Tennessee to do rotation. Mm -hmm. We we happened to know a mutual friend. Then you know that the story took from there. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're you're married with two yeah, kids. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's awesome. And then what made you guys move back to Fort Wayne then? Yes, that's that's great. So for me, I knew Fort Wayne because of Project Mercy. You mm -hmm. know, even if even if I was in a plant in Indiana, I would come for a weekend. I would come for a week. At times, even for a month. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I have some relation some connections with Fort Wayne and so when she finished she one of her classmates in pharmacy school took a job with Walmart pharmacy in Fort Wayne mm -hmm. so that kind of made it easy for her to come and her goal was just get a one-year experience and <laughs> go back to Denver Colorado where her family lives uh -huh. But we got married, and I, I was not planning to come. I was wanting to stay in Nashville, Tennessee. I just loved the mountain, the creeks. So she tried some to move back to Colorado. I tried, I pushed kind of for her to move to Nashville. So things were not happening, and and without we, without knowing it, we become pregnant with our first child. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I was doing... Every other weekend, seven hours drive from Nashville to here. But finally, I just said, family is first. So I, j I gave up my job in Nashville, mm -hmm. came, and we gave birth. And I became a stay-at-home dad for at least seven, eight months um, while she was going to work. You know, 
when when she had days off i would go out and just connect everywhere i'm a very um you know i'm connected i push out even if it is not easy even if it's not <laughs> comfortable i'm kind of hard on myself i want to like knock doors and so i was doing all that and and just the more we live we just feel like oh this is our community we mm-hmm. just feel like oh uh, especially after having a child we just say this is a perfect place to raise our child and through time you know i was like you i was you know connecting with people knowing with people so i feel like you know, i can make this my home is there a big ethiopian uh, community in fort wayne not not really um if there, it's not a big um and even the ones they are more of a older group like when we had the communists the ones though mm. when we had the communist government the ones those came so kind of stayed together they left and, a long time ago and yes. they kind of grew together yes so a small group we knew a few but really we don't have like anything we don't do anything we actually goes to african church mm-hmm. international restoration church there actually we are we are the only Ethiopian family and we are in a culture that we don't even speak a language french swahili you know you know the different african language but but a really good group so that we go there and yes i was actually going to ask you about faith i mean you're yes. you're a, a christian yes. and did you experience a difference in 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 your perception understanding of your own faith moving from ethiopia to here or in how you practice your faith and how yes i think in some ways i become more open-minded just seeing learning you know sometimes with the sometimes you just live in one place and you only see one way of practicing with a mm-hmm. way of living or religion since you don't say anything you just think what you have is the only right thing mm-hmm. so i think coming here seeing um just also being open-minded and having a friend who is atheist having a friend you know even back home you know different things so the more i grew up i really appreciate my faith mm-hmm. but also i become to appreciate others and even just become hungry to learn more about theirs and and the the church experience for you here versus back home is it different and and how so if it is yeah so there are traditional churches here if you go to like a lutheran church or or a baptist or methodist it's more of you see kind of the same thing every mm-hmm. sunday it's like a tradition then there are churches like um contemporary or non-denominational or evangelical like first assembly of god church or the chapel so you see so i grew up in a culture where more of a charismatic mm-hmm. um but i i just saw a lot of beauty even going like i never there are a lot of um catholics back home even orthodox actually when i say ethiopia is a christian country it should mean the orthodox christians but i never even appreciated it from even i was born from orthodox family mm-hmm. they never taught me and i was young then i become a believer but coming here just opened my world you know i was going to a mosque you know to the mm-hmm. Catholic, and i appreciate oh this reminded me of the the orthodox christians back home so there is definitely a lot of differences 
but you just see value and beauty in each one of them. So from what we learn about you and your story, it seems like faith and Christianity in particular has played a major role, uh, whether through the, um, you know, Taylor students coming through their J term or the, uh, the group that helped establish the school, the group of expats, uh, that helped establish the school is faith driven as well. So I wonder, is that something that when you came to the U S did you seek that first? Did you seek a faith community first or, was it after a while, or when did that come into, I really need my faith community around me? Yeah, I think we, you know, when I told you when I was overwhelmed and I wasn't even sure, my faith helped me. You know, I was just sticking to my faith, praying, mm -hmm. you know, asking God. And at Taylor, since it was a Christian place, um, we had chapel, you know, I mean, there might be some student there and may not be Christian or you know, but mm -hmm. still, but still, if, if, so there, there wasn't much options. I was new and it was a fifth place. So that's what I had. And so, okay. But you didn't, like, I guess for me, when I, when I look at a new place to move to, I look at how big is the Muslim community? Yes. Do they have mosques in the area? Can I go? And that's kind of my first sure. step into knowing the Muslim community in sure. town. So I was wondering if that's something that you also looked into or saw sure so it wasn't for taylor because like taylor is just opportunity opened up i took it okay it. not much option not my thing just but after that after taylor i was kind of by myself you know i have to find out i have to you know when i applied schools they didn't necessarily look um a church or more fine mostly good school because it was like Tulane University was, you know, University of Chapel, University of North Carolina and Chapel Hill, mm -hmm. you know, different place, IU Bloomington. So it was all over the place. But later when I decided, I kind of looked at the Ethiopians there. Okay. So in Nashville, there was some, you know, Ethiopian groups. Um, so there was also Ethiopian church. It seems Fortune there is an Ethiopian church. Mm -hmm. So yes, that, that played some. As you're getting older, you're yes. seeking that yes. a little more. Yes. I see. So this is something that I want to talk about. And again, if you feel comfortable, yes. sure, if not, Absolutely. that's fine. But I, I wonder what is your experience as a black man in America is and how that intersects with you being Ethiopian immigrant black to the United States versus someone who was born and raised uh, who, who is black, who was born and raised in the United States. Is that on your radar? Did that come yes. to, to oh. yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. So, you know, in my early time, you know, I didn't ask those questions and Taylor was mostly a, a white place. Mm -hmm. Upland is a small, just 3,000 people white. I mean, um, so I didn't see much and it didn't affect me because I was still in a bubble. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a set regular, I eat three times a day, I play and I study, that was it. And I was happy. Yeah. You know, no car to drive, nothing. That was just my place. I would stay there. If a host family picked me up, good. Um, and but, you didn't, and the environment was welcoming and open. Yeah, because this was the people that I knew. You know, yeah. I had some 
already students who have not graduated that I made them back home. I was actually their tour guide. Okay. So they would buy me coffee, you know, they encouraged me. Um, there was also a few faculty members who led those teams. So there was some connection. Mm -hmm. And there were also two, three Ethiopian students at Taylor who came ahead of me. So all that helped. Um, but the more I grew up, now I'm doing life just not in a bubble, uh, I became to see those, you know, how, you know, as sometimes, you know, a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. You know, there were sometimes days, I mean, do I belong? I mean, first I should say, I had some amazing people. Where I am today is because of those great mentors. I mean, some, they took me under their wing, you know. I mean, I had a lot of good people in my life. But at the same time, there was also pain and challenges because, like, even in Fort Wayne, to be honest, like, when I was a stay-at-home dad, I mean, you know, they call Vanderbilt Harvard of the South. I mean, if it is education, I'm educated. From Taylor, I graduated with honors. From Vanderbilt, I graduated with honors. And I, I worked. I mean, I am very energetic. I'm, I'm just hungry to, for, but in 420, it was tough. I mean, and I was knocking. I mean, I was having a mm -hmm. coffee through a vice president of organization, a president of a CEO. I mean, because I was, I was pushy email. I mean, I do everything I can and, and I had some great conversation and they all tell me, Oh my gosh, you have amazing resume. I mean, you just be a great value, a great asset, but nothing came up. Mm -hmm. um, and when I applied jobs, I, I, I hardly heard back hmm. nothing because maybe it could be Kidane Sarko. Yes, it's a unique. So it just be go to the trash, even going down and see what value there, what work experience, what education, just they might stop on the top. So, so that took. So that made me to question myself, do I belong? Um, and also, you know, could be my accent, my name, but I think, but there is value, you staying focused, not mm -hmm. discouraged, push, because once people really know you, they will trust you and doors will open. That's what I become to appreciate. You know, I don't like some of my experience, but it's good. It made me a strong person. It made me to have a better perspective. But again, I mean, just, I mean, I, as a black man, I have experience. I have feelings, you know, mm -hmm. where should I live? Where, where should I go? What can I do? What time? You know, you, you ask those questions. And then sometimes you also ask, where do I blink? Where do I belong? Even sometimes I don't know. Like even with the, you know, uh, black Americans who born in, you know, raised here, sometimes I don't know if I even belong there, you know? It's so, a completely different culture than the yes. culture that you grew up so, with. So sometimes I say, I don't know, it's hard, you know? So, I mean, I have those questions a lot. So the the where do I belong question, does it, push you towards thinking i'm going to go back to ethiopia or is that question not on your mind or yes there were there were times you know we say we should we should we, we need to go back and there are there are there and again there are times you say well i mean everyone has a different challenge 
the challenge, but there are also opportunities through challenge. So now, now I guess my thing is, yes, Ethiopia is always in my heart. My community, Yatabon, is always in my heart. So now is, but also this is my community because my son Alazar, he has no other community. I mean, he won't have any Ethiopian accent, nothing. He just from he was born from Lutheran Hospital. So <laughs> after having a child, I can't say the, I I can't even so, see those challenges. Now is how can I make it better for him, for my kid? You know, because this is their community. I tell them this is your beautiful town. This is your beautiful place. Mm-hmm. You know. So now is like how can I give back for my community here? But also for my community back home. Now I have two homes. Now I have two communities, two places that are dear to me. And you celebrate both. Yes. The, so with with your kids that you're raising here, what concerns, what worries do you have? Or what aspirations that you have? And what's the balance between the two? Yes. My aspiration is there can be anything they want. Mm. I mean, just open. They don't have to try hard. They won't have accent. Yes, we are still giving them some Ethiopian names, so they might do something. But since they will grow up here, all the way, uh, the challenge is well less. So there's a lot. Um, the concern is, you know, I mean, just like those who came way thousands of years, you know, hundreds of years before them, mm-hmm. the challenge would be there. So I would just tell them the truth. Um, you know, give them value and what to do and um, just be open, have a frank conversation with what's out there in our world. And the other thing is I don't want them to forget their Ethiopian heritage. I already took my son once um, you know, um, when he was just one. So I want to <laughs> keep doing that. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, like the Taylor String came volunteer. Now my son and I, my family were going volunteer. I mean, uh, why why is it important for them to have that sense of connection to Ethiopia? Why do you think that's important? I mean, that's their root, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but but also just to appreciate, you know. Yes, you know, for example, I'm going to try a different conversation. Like sometimes sometimes when I tell people, I tell them how I had a good, a happy life back home, they don't want to hear that because they already have perception saying you know, you, you know why? Like why did you happy? leave if it yeah. was that happy? Yes, yeah. but I was the happiest child. I mean, not because the many shoes or the clothes are full of clothes, but I had my family there. I mean, they they were everything to me. So I was the happiest person, and now I have a lot of opportunities, and I appreciate that. So for my kids, just to have where their root was, how how life was for me for them for their dad, for their mom, you know, what, just to have, so that they can have a better perspective. They just don't see the world just like this in America. Everything could be easy. I can just buy it and go out. So I have to be very careful, you know, how can I read them just so that they can see everything out there, you know, so that they appreciate what they have. They appreciate the opportunities mm. so that they develop wanting to give back. I see. Do you worry about your kids as black kids growing in America in light of what's happening on the bigger societal stage? I mean, 
unfortunately we can't say it's new but the the frequency the the obviousness of it um is highlighted more and more and i wonder if that's something that crosses your mind or if you don't see it that way because of the different background that you have yes so it's it's definitely a counter you know i would ask you know what would happen you know um i mean yeah definitely for a um, it's definitely a question like like just let me say example um this guy he just killed eight asians Mm -hmm. and he was he was arrested without even a bruise or anything was safe there there was another black man in texas he only had a five gram or even less of marijuana or something he was in court and he died Mm -hmm. so so that that's a that's a concern that's a question so my hope and prayer is i want i don't want to hide that truth to my kid i want to let them know what's the truth what in our society looks like Mm -hmm. then then chase the opportunities, then chase what they could do, you know, if they if they try things that make them safe. I mean, it's, it's sad to tell them, don't go here, don't do this. You would, uh, you would not appreciate, but if that's the truth, what you wish for your kid. So that's definitely a, cons- a concern, yeah. I, and, I, I guess, like, the maybe a better way of asking the question is that how does all of that impact you as a, as a person who's obviously black as a father husband and you know it, more, uh, your children everything how how does that impact you it's bad and it's good and bad okay. good because some of the things that i never i didn't knew like i never had a conversation with my dad saying don't drive that road or if you see a mm-hmm. police, put your hands on the wheel. I had not that conversation. Mm-hmm. So maybe that in some ways could help me. Or So I'm learning, not only going to teach my kid, as someone who just spent a decade here, I am learning, just picking up, you know, what should I do? So right now I'm teaching myself too. Just if this is my community, this is my society, mm-hmm. what are the things I could do? So, so I just I am also in some ways in figuring out for myself too. Then I don't even know, you know what, like the, the black Americans here who live all their time and they know the conversation with their kids. So for me, I don't even know what the right conversation yet. Yes, some of them I already, you know, you build your own, your own idea. So I have that, but at the same time, I'm just still navigating myself too did you know much about race relations in the u.s before coming here no i i thought it was it was a perfect world and sometimes i laugh at myself laugh (laughs) because i say we we used to call it heaven on earth that Mm -hmm. was that was our perception (laughs) and was that perception driven by hollywood or (laughs) movies yes movies because we all thought and also the people you see when you see them, you know, uh-huh. the things. Um, and I thought when, you know, America was just Chicago or New York and just people, people, cars, cars, building, building. That was all I knew. Uh-huh. But I, I I landed in D.C. and I didn't leave the airport. It was just a connect flight. So flew to Indianapolis 
my host dad was giving me a ride from Indy to Upland. From Indy to Upland, all the all you could see is far, you know, corn, <laughs> soybeans. And I said, are you, am I being tricked? <laughs> I really want to make it to America. Where am I? Like, I was like asking, no, no, no. You know, America is not just one Chicago or, you know, we, you know, there are all kinds of places, some place mountains, you know, farm. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Do you miss Ethiopia? Yes, I do. And, and uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, uh, it's just a happy place, mm -hmm. just uh, surrounded by a chain of mountains and and just always you are not alone you know there's someone in your life you know if you if you farm if you build a house everyone is just together mm -hmm. you know some part would bring the food some would do the work it's just like so i miss that you know here it's more of independent like mm -hmm. you know independent so so i think i am better now after you know living here for a while and you build, you start build your own friend group, mm -hmm. your own community. But still, life is busy. Like as I said, still, even if like I want to have like hundreds of people over my house for dinner, or but like you know, I have to plan. Like, you know, it just it's <laughs> busy. So yes, I miss it. Um, but also, I just appreciate because one of my goal is giving back. Whether mm -hmm. whether starting something, whether taking just. You know the dilemma sometimes is that what what's the best way to do more to do more good impact is that like me fully going back mm. or if I stayed here and if I have more opportunity can I bring resources so that's that dilemma and even if I miss it but in some ways you know I'm happy maybe I'm helping my young youngster you know young brothers and sister to do well in school so a big a big you know, brother, mm -hmm. but also sometimes a father. We have a father, but sometimes he could be also, uh, you Keep know, leaning on you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I I miss like the most I miss is not seeing my family every day. Mm -hmm. That that's like that's the tough part. But I think when I have my family, that was also therapy. You know. Um, <laughs> so I always said my family. I mean, you know, my dad, my mom, you know, everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Then now people ask me, do you have family? And for a while I say, yes. And I think, which family? So I had like, <laughs> I have two in a sudden. I just have family. Family that I'm making right yeah, now. That now I, I say, now I'm just grasping that. Okay. Okay. Yes, I have my family, my wife, my two kids. So yeah. So that helped definitely because now every day I have a focus attention on them, not just back home, back home. Mm -hmm. So that definitely helped in kind of bring me together, bring me to focus so even my aspiration or whatever is now, it's not about me anymore. It's grounded by your kids. It's focused yes. on your kids. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have the mic. Everybody out there who's listening, what message would you like to share with everybody? Sure. So as someone in public health, I am really passionate about social determinants of health. Um, in the U.S., we have a lot of resources, great doctor, great hospital, but our focus is usually after that thing happened. Mm -hmm. Then we don't save money and we don't also save lives. So if we focus and go back to the root cause, 
Yes, having a state-of-the-art cancer center is great. And having that expert is great. But why is happening? Why is diabetes happening? Is that because they don't have job? They don't have good education? The neighborhood that they, they live in is not good? So can we focus? If we focus that way, we, we could do a lot. I mean, we could save money and we could um, save lives. And just people, I guess my... Uh, my message is people just to be kind. I mean, there is value in everyone. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the older I get, is I just appreciate everyone and every, just every identity, every culture. So just people to be open-minded. Yeah, my name could be Kidani, but as soon as you see it, don't ask me. It's so hard to say it. No, no, no. <laughs> just K-I-D-A-N-E. So try. Yeah. If you say Kidney, that's still fine. But don't say like, don't like be quiet or ask just people to be open because i have seen difficult names american names mm-hmm. i mean i don't see them bother but they see unique so just people to be open open-minded and and there's just so much value in each other so you're obviously an outgoing person and you like to meet people connect communicate Hardly anyone who knows you can say that you're an introvert. <laughs> you're definitely an extro- extrovert. But for people who don't have the energy or uh, drive to connect with others, how would you encourage them to, you know, not hold back just because someone sounds different, looks different, or has a different name? Yes, yeah, so... I mean, in a in a in a tight community like Fort Wayne, people that don't that they don't do all that effort to go out, it would be just a hard place. Even for me, someone is knocking doors. It's taking me years. Mm-hmm. So um, I would just I would just you know we all are different and it's okay, but still just do what you can. I mean, you don't have to do something that scare you to death. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I went to, you know, one million cups every Wednesday. I mean, I went to first Friday. I mean, I'm, and I don't know, sometimes I say, am I extrovert or introvert? I don't even know because I have fear. I have, I'm not comfortable. I'm just like pushing. It's mm-hmm. okay. So I just like people to kind of, you know, push, be open up because people maybe think I'm only going to receive or gain. No, I have a lot to offer. That's what I do because I have desires. I have passion. I have visions. Unless I get to know you, unless I know, how am I going to contribute to my community here? So that's what I do. Yes, you challenge me, you mentor me, it's good, but it's not only taking, but I have also things to give back. So people, they have a lot of things different. We all bring something to the table, something to this community. So we need to talk, we need to mm-hmm. be open up and find ways that works for you. We all are not the same. You know, if it is not big meeting, find one person, you know, reach out to one person that will lead to some, something. So just don't stop. At least do something that is comfortable to you. So you feel that if we don't engage in those conversations, there is a lot of missed potential for growth yes. and community relation. Great point. Great conversation. I mean, the foods. I mean, in Fort Wayne, you know, <laughs> you know, the coffee places, the communities we have, you know, the Burmese community, the Hispanic, we all bring something to the table that makes us a beautiful community. You mm-hmm. know? So there's a taste, like we taste the coffee of each community, each place, that the food, 
in our life there is a test uh-huh. in our thing things that we have in our experience there is a test so yeah come to the table you know test i mean everyone has something to give fantastic thank you so much kidani we appreciate having you on our show today and uh what a great conversation we wish you the best of luck thank you for coming thank you for having me The Ayn Immigrant is a production of WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne and was created and hosted by Ahmed Abdelmajid. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and please leave a review. To learn more about this season's guests, visit theiyanimmigrant.com or find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Today's episode was edited by Steve Mullaney. This is co-producer Katie Anderson signing off until next time. Thanks for listening. From WBOI Fort Wayne. Thank you.